excuse the fan i know it's loud again but i noticed something today when i was out which i don't even go out much anymore because i feel like you know the world is really like coming to an end and it's so clear with every single every every single time i go outside every single outside visit or trip to the store whatever you call it it's so clear that the world is coming to an end it's so clear that we really like we're just kind of like waiting for that just like that last day our last day i feel like you know i was gonna actually i was i've actually been applying to jobs or whatever i was gonna get a job and i realized like you know i don't even know as far as a job because like when i go if i go and get a job even if i start a job right now like it's so evident that the world is ending and it's amazing how god drops things in my path right when i'm about to you know forget about this move forward and say you know what maybe it's not as you know as you know i want to say it important it's very important but maybe it's not as immediate or maybe it's not as i don't even know like yeah immediate that it seems like maybe it's something that you know i'm missing and as soon as i was thinking this like it was like around this time i was thinking this got places in my path like i'm i'm getting it i got the interview and I'm about to interview for the job. I probably will get it. And if I really want the job. But, like, as soon as I'm, like, really thinking about taking this job serious, God places in my path this video of these guys talking about the end times. And I usually wouldn't even watch something like this. Because I think to myself, like, you know, I want to be very careful about the different things that I believe in these times when it's, everything is so tricky and a lot of things are really like tricks and setups to, to pull you further away from God. Like the closer you get to God, the harder these obstacles or the harder it is to discern between what is the truth and what is a lie. And it gets to the point that you can't even discern. You just have to, you know, walk blindly and you have to take a chance. And if you fall, God will catch you. But ultimately... It, it just it, it comes down to the fact that I'm I'm like I'm tripping over a lot of these different obstacles a lot lately. And so I realized that when I saw this post, like when I saw this video, I was like, you know, it's not something I would usually watch, but it's funny how it's right up my alley anyways. So I'm feeling like, you know, God is really He's being clear that he's here, but he's also still setting, leaving those tests. And he's also still giving me different, testing me in different ways and placing different obstacles in my path in order for me to see how he kind of feels about the different things that I'm doing and the different and in my fight. And I understand that, you know, God could, God is possibly upset right now with me because I'm not fighting as hard as I once was. Like, even in the the end of Revelations, it says, I have just this one thing against you, that you don't have the same love that you once had. You need to 
you need to refine the love you once had for Christ Jesus. And every time I saw that, well, not every time, in the beginning when I first saw that, I said, I'm actually getting a love I never knew I had. I never thought I could have. I'm actually gaining a love I never had before. But now, and it kind of seemed like that was a warning. Like a lot of times when I was kind of slipping off or drifting away from him. And now it feels like it's a big red flag. Like you don't have the love you once had. And so I get kind of upset. I get so mad. I won't even lie. I get so mad because I think to myself, oh my god like this is impossible like you put me in an impossible situation and every time every time i show a little bit of my humanity the fact that i'm not perfect every time i am able to just relax a little bit and show that you know i can't like he wants me to strive so hard all the time and it's killing me and every single time i slack off just a little bit he seems like punishes me and it's not every time i cannot lie he's so he's been so so gracious but every single time he's being gracious in this way he's saying like you know actually you know i'm being gracious and every single time he said that i was getting so upset it was bothering me it bothered me so much because i felt like what is even the point of trying if this is grace? It's, you don't under like I, I know God understands our heart is. Who else would? But it's just the simple fact that it feels like, you know, what like I'm supposed to be so perfect, but there's nobody, like literally nobody who I who I know. And honestly, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, because if I'm mistaken, then that means that I'm not slacking off. I'm not wrong. And I am only being human and there's nothing wrong with what i'm with what i'm doing and since i know that that creates a chain effect of then this is not what i heard or this is not that person or this is not god and if that's the case and that means then what am i doing at all that means that actually i can just abandon this whole mission abandon this whole situation abandon whatever it is i'm supposed to be doing and move on with my life regardless of what i have seen thus far regardless of the proof because if, it, if that means that, then what is true? If that's not true, what is true? And so I constantly get stuck in this, like, it feels like a web of, wait, that's not true? So is this true? Is that true? Is this true? Okay, so that's true. So then this true. So then this true. So then this true. Oh, but that's not true. So is this true? Is this true? Is this true? And so finally, I'm like, okay, whatever. Forget it. I can't do it. I don't know what's true and I don't know what's not. So the only thing that I can do is do whatever I can and then God will fill in the gaps. And if he can't do that, if God is not doing that, then what am I doing? There's no point anyways. There's nothing I can do anyways. And I know that God will fill in the gaps, but it still feels like that disappointment where it's like, I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. But at the same time, it's like, would God really be that harsh? But at the same time, of course he would. Because I'm in this position where I'm being tested in this manner. And God is in full control of everything. So if he was ever to put me in a situation where I'm being tested in this manner. That means that this is his choice. He chose to do this. He allowed it to happen. And that in itself is harsh. So of course he can be this harsh. He's being this harsh. So yes, that means it is him. See, I'm doing that again. 
So if God allowed this to happen, that means this is what he wants to happen. If this is what he wants to happen, that means that he is condoning this. If he is condoning this, that means that he's okay with this. If he's okay with this, that means that he's actually this harsh. And I know that it can be so much harder. I know it can be so much worse. I know that it can go another way with someone else or something else. But I also know that I have the option of a lesser faith. I have the option of accepting a lesser truth. Yes, this is the full truth. Yes, this is the most truth. And it's not all the truth, but it's uh, it's the most truth I've been able to get to to this point. And this truth is very, very, very hard to swallow. Of course it would be. It's the truth, the absolute truth. But when it comes down to it, I realize that if I accept a lesser truth, First of all, I would be in a category. There are categories, despite what people think. There's so many people out here teaching that God loves everyone equally. He'll forgive you no matter what. And, you know, he is He is just glad to have you back. He just loves you. And, yes, that's true. But at the same time, why are you not preaching the other half of it? Why are you not preaching the part where... Regardless if he's glad to have you back, you still have to suffer for what you've done. Yes, he forgives you, but there's still consequences. And also, why are you not preaching a part where it's like, you can accept God, but that doesn't mean that God will accept you. That's a fact. I don't care what nobody says. The Bible says, well, people love to preach. I don't know if the Bible truly says this because the Bible, honestly, if you read it, says differently in a lot of different cases, but it's different for everyone. That's the point. And the fact of the matter is it says that it's not supposed to be, that God shows no partiality. It's not different for everybody. So how is it different for everybody? It's so many things in the Bible, but I don't want to sound like I'm back, in that, I'm back at that stage where I'm doubting the things in the Bible because I know these things are true. I know this stuff is real, but he's placing me in that position. God has full control. In the Bible, it says that he sit, He sends these spirits. I was just reading Open Bible Project, I believe, or was it Bible Gateway? I don't remember. I think it's Open Bible Project. And it was a sermon, and he, they pretty much said that God places you in a situation where he has condoned you going down that road, but it's it's not against your free will. Uh, he's, he's pushing you in that direction. And it's not a violation of your free will. It's actually just going along with what you would usually choose. And the, the problem with that is that if that were the case, and I wouldn't even be where I am, if I, if God, if I were to be pushed with, with what I usually choose, and I would never even have made it to this point. So when does he decide to push you in that manner? And what under what terms and what circumstances? And I'm not going to tell God how to do his job. And I'm not going to say that God is right or wrong in the choices that he makes. But what I'm saying is that it doesn't, I won't say it doesn't feel right, because that's a lie. I don't even feel that way. I would just say that it feels so unfair. It feels absolutely so unfair. And a lot of times, I'm sure you're probably thinking, you only think that, you only feel that way when you in a position or when it's not going the way you want it to go. And the fact of the matter is, that's a whole lie. There's so many different times where I'm actually good. I'm good. If I, was only, if I only cared about me, I'd be good forever. 
I don't have to go back and do nothing. I don't have to stretch myself. I can move on, move forward happily for the rest of my life. I don't have to worry about a thing, but you won't be. And that don't sit right with me. And so I'm advocating and I'm sticking up for the people who it feels like it's not fair for. And I know that's why God loves me. But a lot of times the 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 situation is, listen, come now or I'll leave you with them. And I'll say I'll I'll stay with them because I have confidence that, you know, I'm going to keep fighting for them and we'll be able to get I'll be able to get them through. They'll be coming with me when I come back. And God is like, are you sure? Because I'm telling you right now, I'm leaving you and I mean it. I don't lie. And I'm saying, yes, but I know you're merciful. Yes, but I know you're gracious. But that doesn't mean that doesn't guarantee that he will be. I mean, well, yes, actually, it's a guarantee. God is always merciful and gracious, but that's not a guarantee that I will be able to make it through. That's not a guarantee that I will be able to save this person. That's not a guarantee that everything is going to be okay, because when it comes down to it, if it ever comes a time where it depends on how he how he chose that day, I cannot make up his mind for him. If he made up his mind, and decided, no, I told you to come when I told you to come and now you have to stay. Like I said, that just will be what it is. What can I do? I can't tell God what to do. And a lot of people say, yeah, whatever. Nobody believes that. If, if you know, God's always going to accept such, such, such. If that's the case, so many people wouldn't be in hell. There are children in hell. If God said, you know what? Even though I'm telling you now what I said and I mean it. And every single time you said that, he had to go back on his word for what he said he was going to do to you. Do you know how many people would be out of hell? Because do you know how many people are in hell saying, God, forgive me. I repent. I'm sorry. I changed my mind. I was wrong. Take me back now. And if God did that every single time, nobody would be there. Because nobody really cares until they get there. So the fact of the matter is, the truth is, no, that's not a guarantee. So I'm taking chances. And that's what God loves me for. But also, that's a real chance. It's not for fake. It's not a play. It's not for play. When I'm taking these chances, I'm actually very well. I'm, I know I know very well that I could very well be left behind. Yes, my faith and my confidence in him says that he won't do that. Yes, my faith and my confidence in him says that his mercy and his gratitude and his graciousness will save me every time. But if there ever comes a time when he up and decided, no, that's that. That's it. I'm not going back on what I said. I've done that enough. I've done that too many times. And my word is final. That's his judgment. I can't change that. And I'm very well risking that. And I don't care what anybody say. Anybody can say, you know what? Yeah, I don't know. Because honestly, it could still go another way. And guess what? Maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. But the the point is, like, if you know that that's a risk, if you know that that's actually, it actually can come a time where he rejects me as well. So what? You were trying to, you were trying to, you know, stay behind for somebody else. What did I say? Because if that were the, if those were the basis of things, then Adam wasn't wrong. You didn't go and bite the apple yourself. I mean, you didn't go and um, get deceived by the serpent yourself, but you did agree to eat it with Eve. And so he said, so what? What did I say? 
So what you didn't know better? So what you were deceived? What did I say? And if that is what's possible, then I'm risking that. And I know that's what he loves me for. But at the same time, that could be, that could go either way. That really could go either way. And even though he's made me promises and he's told me what's going to happen, you have to understand that God, his ways are not our ways. Because he, everything's a yes and a no with him. Yes, I made you a promise. No, this is not me breaking it. But still, no to that. Or still, yes to that. Depending on how you phrase it. But that being said, you know, I can't say that, you know, I don't have confidence and faith in my God, which is why I love him so much. Regardless of anything, though, I do know that um, it can go either way. I'm constantly risking my life for people. I'm constantly risking myself for people. And a lot of times, like, I feel, you know, unappreciated. A lot of times unappreciated, but it's not about the appreciation. It's more about it feels like it's all in vain. I don't care about being appreciated if it's all in vain. If I end up not being able to save anybody and being left behind myself, then what was even the point of all that work? What was even the point? I'm fighting all these different forces, all these different demons on a daily basis. And it's all off the basis of I love God. No other reason would they be bothering me. I don't care what they said to you or what they told you. The fact of the matter is I wouldn't even be on their radar if I wasn't somebody to God. No other reason. So each and every day I go out into this world and it's a bunch of different things being said to me, said on me, said about me, lied on me. You know, so many different things I have to deal with on a daily basis. I have to realize that when it all comes down to it, the real fact of the matter is that I choose God. And that's why I have to go through all this stuff because I choose God. Otherwise, I don't care what nobody says, what it looks like that day, how it feels. Otherwise, they would not care who I was. If I if I did not care to choose God, if I did not care to be on his side, no matter what I have to suffer, I wouldn't have to suffer. And I don't care what nobody says, and that's just what it is. But it, that's what comes with it. You choose that, that's what you have to deal with. But that doesn't make it fair. So I had a vision, another vision, and in this vision, I was in and out of sleep again, which I know that is spiritual warfare, but um, I still feel like it's a valid reason why, so, or it's important at least for me to definitely take record of so I can go back and compare it if I find any more information because like I said sometimes they're cliffhangers sometimes I get more information that I can put the puzzle pieces together and like figure it out what what was meant what was said what the dream was another thing that you know I wanted to say really quick is that a lot of times like when I'm searching on the internet for or YouTube for prophetic words or 
signs from God or more information on how to handle and deal with the situation, I find that, you know, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I find that a lot of different people want to interpret my dreams. One thing I don't have a problem with, I feel, is interpreting my dreams. But just because God keeps placing that in my path, I feel like maybe I need to get help with interpreting my dreams. Maybe somebody can help me um, give me interpretation of my dreams. But really, I think that if anything, they would give me a new perspective on it. Obviously, that's an interpretation, but they would give me a fresh perspective on it because I feel that I am already knowing what they're about like a lot of different times like I don't feel like I'm a know-it-all at all or anything like I'm very humble but I just feel like I know I know what these dreams mean because while I'm in the dream maybe I don't I don't know what's going on I have to live through it I have to go through it and then when I wake up immediately I start putting the pieces together immediately I start to figure stuff out but at the same time it's gotten to this point where it feels like whatever, whoever, force, spirit, whatever, that is, excuse me, attacking me. They're so used to me waking up to interpret my dream, my dreams so they're waiting. They're waiting to wake up and confuse me so maybe somebody else can help me in a way where, <coughs> excuse me, someone else can help me in a way where... You know, that confusion, because I have noticed that a couple of times when I woke up to interpret my dreams, the enemy is jumping on, jumping on that to confuse it. So I can't figure out, I can't interpret it proper. I can't interpret it properly. Like, it's a witch. It's clearly a witch. It's not, say it is Satan behind everything, but this is clearly a witch because this witch, you know has to, like, I'm constantly, you know, whenever I think of new ways or new things or I come up with something else, like, that's how, that's what happens when you're in a tight situation or when you're, like, your back is against the wall, you're backed into a corner, you find new and creative ways to fight your way out. So when I'm fighting, when I'm finding new creative ways to find my way out, the witch has to adapt to each and every single new thing, new way new avenue I choose to go or new thing that I choose to do and like I'm surprising this witch like when I do the same thing over and over and over again yes the witch get used to it I can feel it but once I you know switch it up and I'm being spontaneous in a way where I'm picking you know I'm doing stuff different every single time because it's not even because I need to be spontaneous because if it were the fact that I needed to be spontaneous this witch will put all their eggs in that basket where it's like, you have to be spontaneous. So now I'm going to, you know, make sure you can't be spontaneous. But since I'm switching it up so much, well, not right now, but like, well, I can't really say like, it just, it's like, um, it's kind of like out of just my nature. Like it's just my nature. And I don't know how they really explain it, but it's kind of just like on a whim when I decide to do these things. So because of that, like a lot of times I'm catching this witch off guard and I say that and I think to my, I think to myself, wait, I can catch this witch off guard. If I can catch this witch off guard and I know that I can put myself in a mindset to always be looking for an opportunity to do that. But this witch doesn't want me to do that because that makes it harder. That makes the witch work harder. 
that makes the situation much more, you know, complicated. I think that mainly, mainly in this situation, the reason why I'm being targeted so much is because it seems like I'm an easy target. Or, you know, a lot of different times, like, I'm making it, you know, kind of easy for this witch. But I've said this in previous episodes, I'm not unaware of making it, you know, feeling like I'm making this easy for this witch or I'm not feeling like, you know, okay, so let me switch it up and let me make it very, very complicated. Let me, because that is the witch's main objective. The main objective of this witch is to have me, you know, frantic and upset and um, anxious and on guard and just you know, worried. The witch wants me to worry and God is saying, don't. God is saying, don't worry. Don't stress. Don't fret. Like, don't let this witch get to you. Don't let anything that they're doing get to you. They want to, if I decided right now, you know what, this is a, you know, this is the kind of situation where I need to, you know, I need to fight fire with fire. If I decide to write down to fight fire with fire and whatever that means, that means like even if I decided to go do whatever they're doing back, which I would never do is witchcraft. But if I decided to, you know, maybe um, run and and be on like a, you know, I don't know what to call it, like a super spy mission where I'm like, OK, I got to hide behind bushes. I got to duck. I got to, you know, I got to be, you know. I got to pretty much be a CIA agent and figure out what it is, why it is, who it is, what's going on. If I decide, if I decided to do that right now, they will feel accomplished. They will leave me alone because that's all they want. I mean, I think it's the main thing. The main thing about it is that, you know, they feel very embarrassed, very ashamed and very just like, I don't want to say dumb, but like they feel foolish for doing all of this, for doing so much. And they want to, in their hearts, in their minds, they're telling themselves, you know, I don't know if you know this kind of personality, but it's this personality where it's like everything that I do that I don't like about myself, that I'm ashamed about, that I'm embarrassed about, that, you know, I feel like somebody could say something about you know, there's always this one person who I don't care, but I, I feel better by myself if I if I know that they would do it too. I feel better by myself if I know that, you know, I could make them do that too. Or I feel better by myself if I know that, you know, they follow right in my footsteps and I'm not, you know, they're no better than me. And that's the whole objective. And God is telling me like, this is why I don't want you to react because this person is not doing this because they want you to, because of any, you know, it's for a much larger reason, but it's based around these simple, basic things. Like it's not about for this person, for this, for this witch, it's about proving to themselves that 
if I were in the same situation, I would do the same thing so that they can feel better about the mistakes and the decisions they've made. They're trying to justify their actions by forcing me into the same situation and forcing me into the same position. So if even like the whole time they've been trying to make it look like it's something it's not. The whole time they've been trying to paint me out to be somebody I'm not. So they're trying to force it so that it actually is true. Because making it look like that is not enough. Just because that's what it looks like, just because that's what you say it is, doesn't mean it's true. And that fact right there, like I can make it look like a lot of things. I can make, I can even make people believe it. But it's still not true and I'll still never have that. So I need that. I need it to be true. And then once they're able to make it true, then they're like, I need that to be something you would have done regardless if I provoked it or not. And then if they're able to make that true, then it's like, I need that to have been your own idea. Like, oh, I already said that, but I need that to, you know, be something that, you know, you, like, that's your nature. It, it This whole situation, no, nothing that I did, I want it to be like I never existed. I want it to be like you came up with all this. I want it to be like you did this. Like, it's framed. It's like I'm being framed, but it doesn't matter because ultimately, you know, that's not possible. You know, what's done is done. You can't take back the past. I mean, like I said in a previous episode, it does feel like I'm traveling through a time machine in these visions and in this, like, spirit realm. And I kind of am. Honestly, I really am. But that still doesn't mean that the, like, time is so tricky because even if you go in the past and change the past, it doesn't mean that the past that you had before doesn't still exist somewhere in the time stamp, in some time stamp, on some timeline. So if you went back and changed the past and all of a sudden you have a new future, that doesn't mean that the future that you had before doesn't still exist somewhere. I mean, well, I don't want to say the future because like I said, the, well, I didn't say it like I said, I didn't say it before, but the future changes with everything that you do, but the past you can never change. So if you go back and change the past, just because you was able to go back and change the past doesn't necessarily mean that the past that you had before all of a sudden never doesn't exist anymore. That past still exists somewhere. It's just you chose a different past. It's kind of like if you go on the other side of the mirror. If you go on the other side of the mirror, yes, you're in a new, you know, realm. You're in a new world. Yes, you can do, you know, it's whatever world it seems like it is on the other side of the mirror. But that other side still exists. So you can stay over here. Let's say you are on the the bad side of the mirror. You go to the good side. You can go over to the good side all you want. That bad side still exists. So that's kind of how it is. It's so tricky with time. And I'm still trying to figure that out. So I don't want to sound like an expert or anything because it's so like that's a whole like that the time thing. That's a whole like that's a whole nother thing. Like it's too complicated. But, you know, I know that Jesus knows how to do it. Jesus can do anything. Jesus knows everything. So I know he knows the, you know, intricacies of it. But he would never allow someone to go back in time he would never allow someone to go you know I want to say never I don't want to speak for Jesus but I just don't like I've asked so many times I've asked so many times and I know that Jesus will give me anything that I asked him for 
And he just doesn't allow it. He doesn't allow it because it's not needed. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't, it can't change anything and it won't change anything. And as much as you want to go back in the past, the one thing that you need to understand is that it happened for a reason. And maybe you want to go back in the past because you want to go back and embrace something from your past, not because you want to change it, but because you want to relive it. And God is like, just relive it in your memories. You can't go back. Like, there's no way to go back because it's not first. It's just not pointless. Everything happened for a reason. If if, if this weren't what meant to happen, that means that you're saying that Jesus, you know, made a mistake. That means that you're saying that Jesus is not perfect. And even if it wasn't directly reflective of Jesus, maybe it was because of sin. Regardless, that's something that Jesus has control over. And if he allowed it, that means that was his judgment. He his he made that decision to allow that to happen. So it's just no point in going back. And I've asked so many different times to go back in time and for small things and for big things and for like medium things and for just anything. Like I've asked to go back in time. And I asked on such a serious level where it's like I demand a response from God. I don't know what you mean by serious level, but I don't know what I mean by serious level, but I demanded an answer from God. And God told me, like, in a way where it's like, I'm not going to keep telling you this. You need to know that whatever it is that happened, happened for a reason. Nothing is a coincidence. Everything happens for a reason. Everything. So whether it's good or it's bad, appreciate it. That being said, you know, I say all that to say that, you know, this situation I'm placed in where I'm being set up and framed, they're trying to take back the past. They want to be able to take back the past. And if they can't take back the past, they're hoping that they can, you know, at least make it at least absolve themselves of responsibility to it. And uh, honestly, (laughs) to be quite honest, it wouldn't matter to me. You like at this point, forgive and forget. Like that's what Jesus said. And I'm really, you know, this is honestly, this is like, if anything, this is really showing me that this is the reason why Jesus is pulling me. Everything happened for a reason. Of course, it's only reaffirming that like Jesus is pulling me closer to him and this is this is why all this happened I'm not saying I'm a hundred percent you know where I need to be with it yet no I still have some things I need to work out I still have some different conclusions I need to be brought to and different under things I need to understand pretty much but um that doesn't mean that I don't I don't choose this side but this person I feel it like and I don't want to say this because honestly, it feels like this is not really their. I don't think they're really scared about this. I think they want me to believe it in order to get whatever it is done that they want to get done. They want me to believe that they're afraid of what I would do if they walked away now. Like if I walk away now and you promise to forgive and forget, what if you don't? What if you come back seeking revenge 
And what if you don't want to let it go? What if as soon as I think everything is done, that's when you decide to get your your revenge? And that's why I'm not letting it go until you know. And I'm, and then at the at that point, you have to ask like, what are when are you wait? What are you waiting for then? If you feel like I'm going to I'm going to want my revenge later, then there's not no point in waiting around. If you waited around for it, or if you didn't. Regardless, I was still, if you felt like I was going to eventually want my revenge, it wouldn't matter if you was waiting around for it or not, would it? I mean, I guess if you felt like you had to be on guard, like you want to be ready, I need to be ready if you're going to get your revenge. It's like, why would I get my revenge if I know that you're waiting for it? If you were really smart, that means you were going with your life. If you wanted to rush, the, if you wanted to rush me into getting my revenge, I mean, you would go on with your life as if I was never getting my revenge, or as if you weren't worried about that. And guess what? As soon as you know you're supposedly unsuspecting, that's when I come and get my revenge, right? But maybe you feel like I'm smarter than that. Maybe you feel like no, I would have to really be unsuspecting for you to show up to get your revenge. So that means the sooner you become unsuspecting, is the sooner I'll be coming to get my revenge. But. You know, I do feel like lightweight slightly this witch is a little bit worried about that. They're a little bit worried about the revenge part. They're a little bit worried about what the, what they did to me, me doing back or happening back to them. But, um, and I think that's their worst fear. Not their worst fear. I don't feel like that's their worst fear, but I feel like that's something they do fear. That like, you know, everything I did to you. You could have the opportunity to do back. I really, honestly, I'm, I've gotten to the point where I felt like, you know, every other consequence in this situation is really, you know, irrelevant. As long as you don't get to do me like I did you. As long as you don't get to be in a position that I am, that I am, I would, I'm able to be in and do all the stuff that I did to you. As long as you don't get to do it back. And, you know, I just don't want to. I don't want to have to be, you know, you. And like I would I would love to say that that's what it is. That's all it is. But I've already worked out this. I've already worked this out. And what I've come to what I've already come to figure out is that that's not what they're really afraid of. Because if that's what they're really if they if that's really what they was afraid of, it's so I feel like there's so many different things that they would be trying to make sure of but what they're doing is reflective it's not reflective of them being afraid that I'm going to come back for revenge what they're doing is reflective of me not ever wanting it what they're doing is reflective of me moving on with my life and not really ever feeling like I need revenge because to them that's real that's that's a you know that's that that then they have to realize that I would never do what they did that I am not them that I don't think like they think that I don't need that kind of stuff to validate myself that that you know even if you know I did do that to make myself feel better that's probably not something that you know I will pursue because I don't want to use simple words but because it's dumb not and not only just because it's dumb but just because it's a waste of time and it takes a certain level of, you know, not not being at peace with yourself, not being at peace with life, not being at peace with, you know, certain situations that have happened. It's like it's about having a chip on your shoulder. And 
if they walk away now and I walk away and I move on with my life, that right there is going to be something that hurts so bad for them because they're going to say to themselves, I did all of that to you. And you, you know, there's a, you know, you know, I did that to you. Um, you know, there's an opportunity for you to do it back and you still don't want to. You're still not going to. So what does that mean? That means that, you know, it clearly means that you're at peace. You've made peace with yourself. You made peace with things and you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Simply put, it doesn't matter what I did. All that I did, it's it might not even necessarily, I was going to say all I did is for nothing because I don't want to say that because it's not for nothing. Clearly, you know, they got satisfaction when they did it out of what they did. But that that one thing that they cannot get from me, that one thing is to be validated in the fact that I would do that or that, you know, it's not even about that. It's not even about me doing that or whatever. It's just about the fact that, you know, I don't need that kind of stuff. I don't want to say that either. Like, I don't know what I'm what I'm trying to say is that that right there signifies me needing to do that or me coming up with that or whatever, you know, even having that mindset or being that kind of person to do something of that nature kind of signifies that I haven't worked something out within myself. I have work to do on myself. I was like this person is projecting, period. That's what it is. This person is projecting. It's never about me. It's never about nothing I did. It's never about anything that I have done or am. It's about everything they're not or can't do or are not willing to do. And because of it, you know, I am, you know, I'm one of the people that, you know, they decided to project on. So I'm I'm suffering in a way where, you know, I have to blame someone. I need to be able to blame somebody about this. But it's that's not even the most important thing, which is why I don't want to waste too much time on that. The, I think the most important thing is about, you know, the power. It's, it's about the power that Jesus speaks about. Jesus always talks about how, you know, you need to walk away. You Like if somebody, you know extra walk a mile, walk an extra mile. If somebody takes your cloak, give them whatever else you have. You know, if somebody um, curse your name or, you know, despises you or does anything behind your back, you know, serve them, feed them with a smile. Like all of this stuff is because it's not, we don't battle against flesh and blood. Anybody who's doing this stuff, you have to understand that they're it's not even about operating in the wrong spirit. They are being controlled by their negative emotions, which are sent by Satan, reflective of Satan, really. Pretty much Satan is using them. And if you go and do whatever it is they're doing back, or if you give them, if you give Satan what he's prying for. Because anything that he's trying to provoke you to do, he needs from you. He's trying to steal that power. He's trying to steal that authority you have. He's trying to leave you open so that he can start maneuvering in your life and using you as well. Because if you just let it go, then you can forgive. Forgiving is where all the power is. 
if you don't forgive, even if you do forgive, but you still maneuver, you still go on thinking stuff like that is okay to do to people. Like, you need to understand that he that's not you, and it wasn't you. Like, it's picking up demons. I don't... That's what's the most important part about it. The most important part about it is not that, you know, this person gets away with it. The most important part about it is not that, you know, the revenge thing, they're afraid of the revenge or they don't want you to be able to have revenge. It's not even about that because I think that mainly this person wants me to get revenge. This person wants me to want revenge because that signifies that I need it. Not only does it signify that I need it, it makes them feel like they don't see it, but the Satan is using them. Satan is really in in the back of everything, behind everything, puppet master saying that, you know, he's and he's the puppet master behind everything. And what he's really saying is like, you know, I want them to be used. I want them to go and do what I made you do. I want them to, you know, forfeit their destiny doing that. As soon as they think they need revenge, as soon as they don't forgive themselves or you for what you did, they're going to start maneuvering and they're going to start operating in the wrong spirit and doing all the wrong things. And whatever it is that they was focused on before, whatever path that they was on, whatever they was going to be getting out of being peaceful, forgiving, loving, etc. Whatever plan God had for their lives. Now, I get to ruin it. I get to delay it. Or I get to minimize it. And anything he can affect, that's, that's good enough for him. But the person is thinking to themselves, I want you to feel like I feel. I want to prove to myself that the way that I feel and the different things that I do is something that you would do too. You're no better than me. But it's not about, I mean, I want to say it's about that, but it's really not mainly about that. They don't understand that they're being used because if they were just brought to understanding, they would know that, you know, it's never about that. And for me to see you, operating in whatever manner I was operating in before, you know, that's sad. I don't want that. But as long as you're not, I can't help but to feel urged to try and pull you into that because that's Satan. They don't know that it's Satan. They don't know that it's not them. Satan lies to them and tells them it's every other reason why. Satan lies to them and says, they're not better than you. Go and prove it. Or Satan lies to them and says to them, Look, they can be provoked to do that. Trust me. They're putting on a show. Prove that. Or Satan lies to them and tells them that, you know, you just have to expose who they really are. That's who they really are. You know, Satan is lying to them to get the, tell them all these different things to get them to do this. And in reality, it's not about none of that. Because it's always a different story whenever that one's not working out. If this doesn't work out or you're not going to buy this or you're not going to believe that or that's that's just not going to get you to go do it, he's going to find some other avenue. If you deny everything Satan says and does, if you deny all of his, you know, temptations, 
then next thing you know, he'll be tempting you something completely unrelated. And you'll be saying to yourself, well, wait, I thought you said it was this. When did it become this? Then don't ask that question because now you're going to make it make sense. He's such a good liar. But the problem is, and I never know really how to say that good liar, bad liar is like, you know, is he such a bad liar or such a good liar? Like, it's really bad. It's really a bad thing, but he's so good at it. But is he really so bad at it? I don't know how to explain it. But anyways, regardless of anything. So I had this vision and in the midst, in, in between this vision, this spirit, this witch, this, you know, demonic spirit kept just kind of like trying to convince me that, you know, I am not going to be raptured. That I'm going to be left behind with everybody else. That I forfeited my chances. I ruined everything. And, you know, so on and so forth. Pretty much it was like this, this, it kept, it kept, this, this spirit was so desperate. So desperate to get me to feel like you lost. You messed it up. That did it. That's it. You're not going. God is through with you. God is done with you. That's it. But when God is really, if God really feels like that, or if he ever feels close to that, I know the difference. So it's like, this spirit knows I know the difference. So in a way, it's like, I have to question that too. I have to question whether that was even the real objective. Like, what was the real objective? The objective wasn't really to make me feel like I really was left behind because the spirit knew for a fact that there was no way that I would truly believe that. Not that easily. So it had to be a different objective. But the thing is, I felt it. I felt, I felt what it, like, I felt it. It felt like, I need you to feel, I need you to give up. I need you to give up. Give up, please give up. But I know for a fact, I don't want to say I know for a fact, but I really feel like this spirit is not, you know, doesn't really believe that. Doesn't really believe that I would just give up like that. Because if this spirit truly believed that I would just give up like that, then why would they go through all the trouble of all these all this other stuff? Why would they set up all these other traps? Why would they be working so hard? Why would they be so desperate? Because if they were so, you know, if they really felt that I was going to give up that easily, then, you know, they had put in a whole bunch of unnecessary work for nothing. It feels like all these other traps I know are set, you know, was that just for fun? Was that just, you know, was that just a hobby? No. It's a reason for all of this, but I can't, I'm I'm trying to explain it and it feels like, you know, the words I, w- I would otherwise say or what I'm trying to explain is not, I'm not able to really explain because like I'm being attacked. But if I say that, then it's kind of confirming that. But at the same time, that's what it is. Like, I'm really like the witch is attack- attacking my thought process, so I can't say what I'm trying to say like I can't say what I'm thinking and I can't think properly like everything I I would otherwise think if I weren't talking but um 
I mean, if I weren't on my podcast, excuse me, but let me just tell you the vision. So in the midst of in and out of my sleep, I keep feeling like I keep feeling the spirit telling me like you've you've lost. Give up. You're not going to be raptured. That's it for you, you know, etc. And I'm clearly like I was at first I was just like, you know, um. Honestly, I don't like the for real. The bottom line is, if that's true and you feel like that, then that means that you should be willing to leave me alone now, and you gonna go on about your business. And whether it's true or not, you know, we'll see when we get there. But it, I just feel relaxed and free that you gonna leave me alone because you believe it. So I'm just like, and at this point, I'm just like, you know what? I'm not gonna argue. I'm not gonna argue you with it. With it, if that's what you feel, then let it be. Let it be so, because you, you know, if you really believe it, then that means that you have no reason to still pursue me. You have no reason to still bother me. You have no reason to still be monitoring, attacking, watching, and trying to affect me in every way possible. But, you know, I know that you won't do that. And if you won't do that, then that must mean that you don't truly believe that yourself. Why would I believe it if you don't? And the thing about it is, like, it's like the witch is trying to get me to believe. Like, why would you say that? That's that's a really like, why would you let me know that you know that? But it's like, you know that I know that. You're trying to trick me into believing that I can keep something from you who is watching everything that I do. Anything that I'm able to keep from you is what God is keeping from me. Anything else I'm sure you have access to because you you are, I mean, you're working all this hard to get access to all of this information. So what makes you think that I'm not aware that you will stop at nothing to have this access to this and that you do have access to it? So I know, but it just doesn't bother me because I know that in reality, you really have access to nothing. You don't have access to nothing that God didn't want you to have access to. You want to know how I know for a fact? Because he already told me about you before you showed up. Before you even showed up, God told me about you. Before you even showed up, God told me what's going to happen. Before you showed up, God showed me the outcome of this whole situation. He showed me how it ends. And that's before I even knew how it was going to start. That's before I even knew, you know, you were going to even be a part of this situation. I had no clue about the how or the when or the where or the what. I had no clue about that. I just saw the ending of it. And I said, well, how do I get to this point from where I am now? Because where I, where I, where I was at, it felt like worlds away. But then here you come putting all the pieces together and you feel like there's something that, you know, I don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, this stuff, too. You know that I know. So you feel like you can convince me that. I can like I I guess that. I don't. know. What I know. I don't know how to explain it. But anyways, so um, 
I keep getting this vision of this ball. It's like a really big ball. And this ball is full of like power and glory and riches and just all the stuff to make you fl- make your flesh feel good. All kinds of worldly just validation. This ball, it's like a gold ball. But it's not even necessarily, like, when I'm seeing it, how they're trying to make it look, they're trying to make it look so good. Like, oh, my gosh, I need that ball. It got the popularity. It got the money. It got the validation. It got, you know, all everybody love me. It got all the worldly, fleshly desires. It got all of that satisfied in this ball. I need this ball. And even still, it's not all of it. Like, it's just a little bit. It's like a little bit took out of it. Like, let's say if you got offered a deal, but somebody's like, I need a piece of the pie. There's a pie slice missing out of this ball. And it's a full ball, but you can just feel that it's missing. Like, it's, it's, there's something gone from that. You know, that's not everything. Like, I need it. Like, kind of like a managerial um, percentage taken away. Like, this is all you'll get besides this part. Of course, that's for me. And they're kind of selling it to me. Like, here, take this. This is, and they're not even really like, listen, you need to take this because it is and that and third. Like, they're not saying like, you know, this, they're not kind of like trying to sell it to me in a way where it's like, this is why you need to have this such and such and such. No, they're really telling me like, this is what you're getting now because you're not like this is their way of upselling it to me. Like, the, look, this is what this is what you got. Like, you don't got no other choice. That's it. Like, take what you got. Like, that's it. Like, it's not even more of a, you know, look, if you go this route, then you'll get this and you'll get that and you'll get that. No, it's more of a you ain't got no choice. Like, here, this is what's left after what you've done, after what's happened, after the situation, after you know, the route you went down, the choices you made, and all the mistakes, um, this is what you're getting out of it. So here you go. And it's not even more of a choice. It's more of a here. Take this because, look, you know, what else you going to do? And if I was stupid, I would be like, oh, man. I mean, I guess it's still something then, you know. At least I get something out of it. I mean, I, I guess I could just walk away with nothing. I mean, but I'm like, No. What do you mean? This is all I get. Who are you to judge? Like, what makes you think I'm about to take that? Like, it doesn't even matter that, you know, it looks enticing, whatever. But more so to me, it's like, what What did you think? Like, you're going to try to tell me this is what I get as if you determine that. You're going to try and tell me here, this is what you're getting out of it. As if I don't know what I'm worth. Not even more about what I know what I'm worth. I don't know what God told me I'm getting. You don't you're going to try to tell me this is how this is what I get as if I know that you're not trying to cheat me out of what I ultimately end up getting. And that's what really. I don't know. It, like, I just I, that's what frustrates me the most. What frustrated me, what frustrates, what frustrates me the most, excuse me, is the fact that. You. Like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if you know what it's like, but I hate, I hate cheats. I hate sharks. I hate injustice. I hate it. And 
don't you know when it's like a kid? Like, say it's a kid and the kid don't know, you know, how much they money worth. And they got like a, let's say they got, the kid got a $20 bill. And you take that $20 bill and you give them like five ones. And you say, look, it's way more dollars. You got at least five of these dollars now. Don't you want this? Don't you want the $5? Because you, you know that the kid don't know that the value of the one bill is more than those five single bills. And you try and take that from them and you try to take the value like you you literally just, you know, you you just try to, first of all, this person, this, this child is hopeless. Not hopeless. This child is helpless. Excuse me. This child is helpless. And you just took advantage of the fact that what, the fact of what they don't know, you know that they're innocent. You know that, you know, they don't deserve that. And you know that after you do this, once they figure out what you've done, like that will change. Like that's going to ruin their innocence. But it's not even about. Yes, it's about that, but it's more than that. It's more. It's it's more about the fact that like, you know, it's not. I mean, yeah, you're going to ruin the innocence or whatever. But it's more about you just not like caring at all. I don't think you care that you're going to ruin that in, their innocence. I don't think you care what you're going to contribute to. It's more about. You being that grimy, you being that fault, where you would take like twenty dollars from a child and give them five ones. Now, granted, this no, there, I'm no child. You know, I know I'm not a child, but this is just the mindset of this person. Like, I know you don't know the real value, or I know you may not be fully aware of the real value. So I'm gonna try and trick you, and by the time you figure out, I'll be long gone, or you're already played. And that's kind of what this person or this this spirit, this witch is trying to do. Like, here, just take this because, you know, you like here, it's already done. Like, you lucky to get this knowing that that's like, you know, a penny to a dime. And that's so messed up. That's fall. But anyway, so as I'm. Looking at this ball that's like supposed to be like everything worldly and fleshy. It's supposed to be everything I want. And this this is reflective of how Satan takes souls. This is reflective of how he gets souls because he tells you, look, I'll give you all the money you want here on earth. I'll give you all the women or men. I'll give you all the attention. I'll give you all of the, you know, I'll give you the look, popularity, everything. You can have everything you ever wanted on earth abundantly everything you ever wanted on earth all you have to do is you know worship me pretty much all you have to do is give me your soul and you don't know that your soul your soul is priceless there's nothing here on this earth there's nothing here worldly there's nothing here fleshly that could ever 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 in any on in any circumstance, under any conditions, make up for your soul and the value of it. So Satan knows that your time here is short. You'll be here for about 120 years tops. But because you're an impatient human being or you're just, you know, enticed, you know, to feed the the desires of your flesh, he's like, I know that you want this now. I know that this would this would help you. This make you feel better. And I know that you only care about what's now. You ain't worried about the later. 
You don't you don't really want to think about what's going to happen later. So I know that, you know, if I entice you until you can get all this now, you abandon what you're going to get later. And what you get later is so much more than I ever could even offer you. I can't even offer it for myself, which is why I'm trying to take it from you. And so that's what it is. That's kind of how it is. So this ball it's everything. It's gold. It's all of that except for a portion taken away. Like It's almost like somebody's trying to manage me like this, which is like, if I get you to sell your soul, then I get a portion of whatever you sold it for. Just like a sports manager. If I get you to sign this contract with this team, I get, you know, let's say you sold, you know, let's say you, I'm not going to say sold. Let's say you signed a contract for $50 million. I'm going to get, you know, how did that work? Like 10 or $15 million out of it. That's what I'm getting. And, you know, the, the, the NBA player, basketball player, NFL player, whatever you call them, you know, the athlete is like, you know, that seems fair because you got me to sign a deal. But the only thing about this switch in this situation is they're trying not to be so obvious that they're the middleman. Because first of all, here's the thing. If I was ever going to sell my soul, which I, I don't even want this, why I don't even bring this up? Because why would I ever do that? But first of all. If I was ever going to do that, why would I ever need somebody to manage that? Why would I need you in the, as a middleman? Why would I need you in the middle? Why would I need you getting a portion of what I sold my soul for? Why don't you just sell your own? Oh, that's right. Because either he doesn't want it or you already sold it. So why do you think that I would ever need you to do that for me? Like, that would be playing myself. That's just like, you know... I don't want to use this reference because it's it's a bad reference, but that's just like, you know, you selling something to me, but then being able to use it whenever you want or being able to take it back whenever you feel like it. Like, what was the point of me paying for it then? That doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, I've never understood that, but um, regardless of anything... Like this person, this this person is just like, okay, so this is what you'll get, this is what you'll get. And they've been doing this the whole time to the point where when this first started, I barely like I wouldn't have got a crumb off a plate. But the more that I am fighting, the more that I am, you know, choosing God, the more that I'm like, I would rather walk away with nothing than ever take a deal from you, the more I'm being offered. So I'm like, no, it's still a no. So regardless of anything, so um, there's this ball. It's a gold ball. And like I said, there's a portion missing. It's a black void in a ball from the, you know, the percentage that whoever is trying to play middleman will be getting for setting this up or, you know, Getting me to sell my soul when in reality this person never wanted me to have anything to begin with. I guess they really was honestly going to take all of the profits and leave me with nothing. But since they feeling like they can't do that or it's getting more towards the point where they can't do that, 
they try and offer me more because they really have it in their hearts. They really think in their minds that I would even ever do it. But they're saying to themselves, if you're going to do it, you ain't doing it without me. Because if it wasn't for me, then you wouldn't even have this opportunity. If it wasn't for me, then you wouldn't even be in this position. And it's like, exactly. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even be in this position. You really think I think like you. I don't want what you want. Why would you ever bring this to my doorstep? And... It doesn't matter, though, because the funny thing about it is is in order for me to get upset about it, I would have to really believe that, you know, everything's not going to work out for me. I would have to doubt that what God said, the outcome. I would have to doubt that it's not this is not exactly what God said was going to happen. And if this is exactly what God said was going to happen, happening right before my eyes, I mean, Exactly what he said is going to happen. It's going to happen. If all of this is true and he said it was going to happen, then I mean the stuff that has yet to come true, the stuff that he said also was going to happen by the end of this still is going to happen. Like even regardless of anything. And it's not even like, no, I really believe that I could change. Like I believe, I don't know if I don't believe, I mean, I really don't believe I could change it, but I do kind of sense that, you know, it's a test for a reason. I don't believe I could change it, but, you know, why would otherwise he be testing me? But, you know, I do want to say that no matter what, this is what's going to happen. I think God just wants to strengthen me. He just wants to strengthen me. But anyways, what I'm meaning to say, which I keep getting sidetracked off of, this ball, this gold ball, it's in between flashing, in between. Like, I'm seeing it as a gold ball that has everything. It has the money, the riches, the gold, everything. It looks so glo- It looks so beautiful. It don't look like things in heaven, but it looks really good. Like, it looks really good. Like, I don't know, like a juicy cheeseburger or something like that, like better. You know, a really nice outfit that you know, if you put it on, oh my God, you would look so good in it. Like that, like it looks good. But in between the flashes, like in between, like I'm being flashed, like where it's gold and then it's flashing into a big ball of dirt. So I'm seeing it as a gold ball with everything. Then I'm seeing it as a ball of dirt that's like nothing. Like, have you ever seen the Febreze commercials where they close their eyes and where they blindfolded, they take them into a dumpster. They sprayed it up with Febreze though. And in their minds, they think that they're in a beautiful, um, on a beautiful beach or they're in a beautiful, well-furnished home with all clean furniture. Then they take the blindfolds off and it's just banana peels, trash, you know, you know, um, just like empty cartons, empty, you know, fast food containers. And it's like they're in the middle of a dumpster and they're like, yuck. And they're like, yeah, this is the this is the power that Febreze has. Like, that's exactly what this ball is. This ball is like, look, it's gold, it's money, it's it's fame, it's popularity, it's everything your your fleshly your flesh will want. 
it's everything worldly you ever be able to get in this earth. But matter of fact, guess what? It's going to be the best anybody's ever had it. Well, not the best, but almost. Just a little small portion missing from the best. And all you have to do, like, you might as well take it. It's not even all you have to do is, like, yeah, take it. Because what else? Like, look, this is what you get. Just take it. Like, and it's not even about this is what you get. And it's more like, you know, you don't have a choice. That's what they're trying to tell me. You don't have a choice. <laughs> it's a joke, but yeah. But all I know is I'm being flashed in between, like, seeing it as this gold ball with everything is so enticing. And then, boom, it's a flash. And I see it as a big ball of dirt. And it stinks. It reeks. And it looks so disgusting. And I'm like, that's the same ball. Yes, it is. It's not two different balls. It's the same ball. And you telling me this is what I get? Like, I don't know if you know that I see it like that. But I think that you know that I see it like that. I think that you're trying to, in a way, play me. In a way where you're saying, like, you're going to know what you're getting. And this is what you're getting. And you don't have a choice. Like, are you serious? And it's reverse psychology. Because in a way, you I would say, or, or somebody, you know, would say, I won't say I would say, because uh-uh, it ain't going that way. But in a way, you would say, you know what? That's realistic. That's real. At least I know what I'm getting. At least I know that the ball, whatever it is I'm getting, is really a big ball of trash. And somehow, if I really accepted that for myself, I would feel like, you know, matter of fact, you know, this must be true. This must be real and this must be real life because this is real life. Nobody's really getting all that glorified stuff and fleshly stuff without, you know, I don't want to say without hard work or without, you know, suffering, etc. Because if that's the case, I've already suffered. And that's why it's more believable. You've suffered, you've gone through this and all this other stuff. So this is this is what you get. And it's like, no. What makes you think that? I don't know. There's better for me. That if I bow out now, that that is, you know, way less than what I deserve. But the problem with that is that... There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that this, this spirit, this witch knows that already. So what is that? What, what is the reason that you decided that you was going to try and get convinced me that that was something that, you know, I would even take because I know you're more conniving than that. I know you're so much more conniving than that, that that's like, that's not even something that you would even, you know, expect me to go for. So I guess, if anything, it's just for me to get hung up on. But I felt this this feeling like I really, really, really need you to give up. I really, really need you to give up. I need you to take this. I need you to just take this and give up. I need you to do it. I need you to. But at the same time... It's just like, I feel, I also feel this overwhelming sense of, you know, I'm getting somewhere. Things are getting better. It's going to be all over soon. And, you know, I want to say it's going to be all over because it's going to be all better soon. 
And I feel like this spirit, this witch is getting so desperate because their time is almost up. And they're trying to get me to take a last minute rush deal. Because as soon as I take that, I'd have it all of five minutes before I end up in a place you're going. And I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't take that deal. I won't take that ball of filth because it doesn't matter what you do. You can't put like if you put you can put lipstick on a pig, but doesn't make it a queen. I don't know. I don't know how that how that metaphor goes. I'm sorry. I, I probably messed that up. But anyways, you know, you can dress up a pig. It's still a pig. But regardless of anything, I realized that um, this person knows I'm not going for that. I don't know. Well, actually, maybe this person doesn't because this person is still, you know, fighting and doing all this stuff all day, every day and going to such great lengths in order to change, you know, change something or do something but I remember last year while I was while I was riding in a car and I was being tormented and tortured and the whole time I was like what's going on such and such and such and I remember in the midst of everything I was just like so overwhelmed where I felt like I just it was a bunch of different spirits jumping me like 24 7 I was getting no breaks and then I remember God told me to say, you can't change my destiny. You can't stop my destiny. Because this witch was saying everything. Oh, you're this, you're that, you're going to die, you're going to do this, you're not going to make it, you're not going to be able to do this, you're not going to be able to do that. And the whole time I'm suffering, I'm just suffering. And then I was just like, why all this suffering? What is going on? And this witch is like, yes, you're suffering and such and such and such. I get to do this and I get to do that and all this other stuff. And just bragging about pretty much torturing me. And God says to say, but you can't stop my destiny, though. As soon as I say, you can't stop my destiny, though, this witch gets quiet for a second. Finally, the only time it was ever quiet, the only time these spirits shut up, for five seconds because they said they were in awe. They were in awe because they said, because it was true. And it actually sunk down. It sunk and it said like, like for, for five seconds, this witch was like, finally realizing the truth. Finally realizing the outcome. Finally letting that sink in. Not that it mattered, you know, they, the witch ended up continuing on doing whatever they, that this witch was doing. It was, I mean, this witch is just full of all kind of demonic spirits, jealousy, hatred, um, maliciousness, envy, just wicked. But ultimately, that, ta- that told me something, that no matter what, can't stop my destiny. So, I didn't get to the second part of this vision. So in the second part of this vision, um, I'm in and out of sleep at this point where I'm I'm kind of drifting. And in between the sleep 
I'm feeling better. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like God is protecting me. God is with me. The angels are with me. God is wrapping his arms around me and protecting me with his precious blood like I always pray for him. And he's doing it when I need it most. Like, I can tell in this season, in this moment, he's carrying me. Like, he's carrying me because I feel so weak. I feel I've collapsed. And he's carrying me. And in the midst of everything, God is like, you know, it won't be much longer now. I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. And I'm feeling it. I'm feeling like, okay, I can, like, I'm closer. I'm almost there. Like, I can feel it. I can feel, you know, the glory. I can feel it on my face. Like, I can feel myself getting closer. Don't you know when there's light at the end of the tunnel and then you start finally feeling the light shine down on your face? You start finally feeling the heat of the light. It's so dark and cold, but you just start finally feeling the heat of the light in the distance. You getting you getting closer. You getting closer and closer. And you thought you would never, ever, ever, you know, get to that light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm starting to feel it on my face. I can feel it. Like it's right there. And I'm feeling so good. I'm feeling so much better. But like I still know that I still have to get there. So I'm trying to, you know, muster up the last little bit of energy that I might possibly have in order to make it, you know, I know I'm going to make it, but I know, like, you know, I still got to budget out my energy. I got to pace my energy. I pace myself. But I can feel Jesus carrying me. He's carrying me to the light. And, like, even though I'm suffering, I can feel it and I know what's going on. And in the midst of everything. I feel the demons, I feel the witches intimidated by that fact. They know, they know how I feel. They know how I'm feeling. They know that I can feel the, the, how close I'm getting. They know that I can feel the, you know, the forever after, the happily ever after. I can feel it. I'm getting there. I'm almost there. And I don't want to say it's happy ever after. I don't want to. You know, technically confirm that in the previous episode, I told you what God showed me, but I don't know if the if this light I'm feeling is technically that, but it may just be another checkpoint. I mean, it's, it may just be another checkpoint where I'm like, okay, a break or, you know, um, the sun gets to shine on my face. I get some sun. And... The witches are like the demons, the spirits are like doing everything and anything they can. Because I can hear them like, no, no, like losing. But like, you know, even though I hear this a lot, like I can probably hear this all day, every day. You know, if they're not laughing, then they're screaming in agonizing pain or in agony from losing. You know, it doesn't matter because regardless of how they're reacting, I still have to fight. I don't get to slack off. I don't get to, you know, give up because, oh, they they in agonizing pain. I should be able to give up now, right? Nope. Still got to fight. So... 
all I know is like um in this vision. So in this vision, I end up drifting into another vision. This is a I'm actually asleep. But like in the midst of seeing this like in our what I talked about in the previous episode or the previous episode, um this ball of gold that actually is a ball of filth. In the midst of seeing it Excuse me, sorry. Um I actually fall asleep. So when I fall asleep, I wake up in a boutique. But is it a boutique? It's like a small store. And in this small store, I it's like it's it's kinda gorgeous. This small store is kinda really cute, really really up my alley. Where it's like I don't want nothing too big. I don't want nothing too major. I can handle it. But I don't know if I want anything too major, you know. Because it's not because, you know, I don't I don't trust that God will have my back regardless. It's just that in the midst of everything of all I've seen and everything that it comes with, you know, am I really the type of person who needs all that? Do I need all that? I don't know. We'll see. But um, it's right up my alley. It's a small little store. I can believe it. And it's beautiful. And all I know is inside my store. I don't know. I guess it's like some type of um, high-end antique wine shop or wine store. All I know is in my store, I have a very rare, very expensive, very limited bottle of champagne. This bottle of champagne is an antique. I don't know. I bet you if I looked looked it up on the internet right now, it probably really exists. But I don't know the specific name. I just know that this only it's only like probably it might be the only one, if not one in like five. I won't put a number on it, but it's a very limited bottle where it's only like a few of them. In the whole world, and it's so old, and it costs so much money. It costs so much money that it's just like a relic. It looks like just like a relic in my shop, but it's not just a relic. It's the real thing, but it's really just become like a, I would say a monument. I don't want to say that, no. Don't you know like a museum where they have these antique things, and it's like, you know, you can't buy this. This is this ain't going nowhere. But you can buy it, but nobody has ever come in, you know, with the with the um the I want to say capability or whatever, because it's like it's more than just having the money to buy it. It's more about you know knowing what it is, knowing you know what it's worth, and knowing that um you know you can't just crack this open. I mean, if you do, you better know what you're cracking open. Like, it's a very, 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 I won't say vintage or antique. I don't know what to call it. But I don't even know if champagne really lasts that long. So maybe it's champagne, maybe it's wine. It looks like it's in a champagne bottle. Um, but um, it could be wine because only, I, I only know of wine to exist in that manner. I don't know about champagne, but I'm pretty sure champagne does too. But anyways, um, it's very, very expensive. And it's only a few in the world, and I'm not selling it. Like, 
it's on the shelves. It's but it's like in this like glass container that's specially made for like just this bottle and like it's propped up in a way where like you know, it's the start of the show in the whole store. And I sell all kinds of bottles of wine, champagne, etc. in the store and all kinds of other things too. But um this is everything. This is everything. So um I all I know is in the vision I keep feeling compelled to open it. I keep feeling pulled towards just open the bottle, open it and drink it, open it and drink it. And every single time I want to open this bottle and drink this bottle of wine, I say to myself, wait, do you know the value of this bottle? Like, this is not just something that you just open and drink. But then every single time I say that to myself, I say, but it's you. But it's you, though, and it's yours. It's your bottle of wine, and it's you. And if anybody should open it, it should be you. And I'm thinking to myself, this bottle is worth all of this money. All of this money. Why wouldn't I just sell it? But at the same time, it's like, why would you sell it when it has more sentimental value than actual value? And it's worth a lot. So that means that I care so much about the origins of this wine. I care so much about the details like, I guess I must be some sort of wine connoisseur or something, champagne connoisseur. But all I know is I, it's a very, it's a collector item. It's only a few in the world, and it's probably, it might be the last one that exists, honestly. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, um, not supposed to open it. I'm supposed to just leave it on the shelf, and the more, the longer that it sits, the more value it collects. It's already so valuable. But I keep feeling compelled to open it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to open it. Because if it should be anybody, it should be me. And the one thing I keep thinking was so crazy that I'm in and out of this vision feeling like I'm almost there. I can feel the sunshine on my face. The one thing I keep feeling this vision, you know, it's the last days anyways. It's the last days. It's almost time. Like, we're about to be called up. And, you know, even though this bottle's worth so much and it probably, you know, it'll be worth so much more in about 20 more years or even one more year. Like, it's aging by the second. And it's worth so much money by the second. But it's like, even though all of that, you know, I might as well crack it open now because it's about, it's about to be time. We about to be called up. We about to go home. Like, so I might as well crack this bottle, water, this bottle wine open. And I might as well, you know, enjoy this bottle. Because I know what it's worth. And it might as well be me. And it's about to be time anyway. So why let it go to waste? And I feel like that's, that's a word from God. Because I have been drinking wine lately. And, you know, my mindset kind of drifts towards... um. You know, what's the difference? We about to get caught up anyways. We're living in our last days. So, you know, I might as well relax. I might as well enjoy. And it's not even about relaxing or enjoying. I'm still not able to relax or enjoy it. I'm just more so like, you know, we about to get caught up anyways. I can feel it. Like, any second is that second. Any time is that time. And the difference between being in this vision when I, and when I was in and out of my sleep is that I'm not feeling in this vision that I'm not going. 
I actually don't feel that way. Maybe when I think hard about it, yeah, but when I'm not really, I don't really feel that way. I just know it's almost time. And that's when, you know, I noticed this is my store. It's a small store. Not many people come into, but anybody who does come into knows exactly what, you know, where they're going. They know what they're looking for. And they always, not always, but, you know, I get I get some people in there who knows exactly what this bottle of wine is, what it's worth, where it comes from, the origina- the origins of it. Like, it's, it's you know... It's valuable. It's worth something. But anyway, so I keep feeling compelled to open it, but I don't. I don't keep opening it. So then, I mean, I can't open it. I can't get to it. So I, I'm thinking like, open it. And I'm like, no. I'm like, open it. I'm like, no. So then the bottle gets switched out for a cheap bottle of wine. Like, no, just drink a cheap bottle of wine instead. Because, you know, why would you open this as value was? It's like, don't open it, but don't sell it either. Because I don't want to sell it. That's the one thing about it. I don't want to sell it. I could have sold it. I could have sold it by now for probably millions. But I I don't want to sell it. And if I don't want to sell it, I value it more than anybody I'd probably sell it to. I'm thinking, why don't I drink it then? I might as well. Because better than me than anybody else. But I don't know what this really was about. I think I know what it's about. But at the same time, I feel like it's more to it. So all I know is my mother, my mother, I have a, it's like, it's a room attached to my shop. Like I live in my shop (laughs) and uh, my mother is there and she's in the room. And, um, all I know is I get this, this, this word, I I hear somebody, like I hear a spirit, the spirit tells me like, this can be you, this can be yours. I know it's not my mother. My mother is just looking at me like, you know, kind of like in a way supporting me, but I think like it's like her face looked like, yeah, yeah, but I don't feel like it was a bad thing. I feel like this spirit wants me to make it seem like she's a bad person. She was doing a bad thing. But in reality, she was I feel like she was trying to help. I feel that she was trying to help. And if she was trying to help, that means either she was the one trying to tell me not to drink it. Or she was the one telling me, like, like keeping me from losing myself. In, in the vision, because a lot of different times in these visions where I'm about to be lost in these visions, my mother shows up, or my sister, or my family. They show up. They keep me from losing myself in these visions. And it's always right before I do. But this particular time, I, wasn't, I don't feel like I was about to. Well, actually, I was, yes. I was because I was about to open the bottle. But I just don't know what that really meant because I didn't feel like if I opened that bottle and drank that bottle, I would have lost myself. Maybe I was. I think that more it was more of a message for when I wake up because I am drinking wine. So maybe I feel like maybe that's God trying to say, like, 
Maybe you need to reevaluate your mindset when you drink wine. Because when I drink wine, I'm thinking, you know, if it really is the last days, then what does this hurt? And more than anything, that's not even the only thing I'm thinking. I'm also thinking a lot of times, like, it's not really, you know, I don't think it's that bad. I think the only thing that's really bad about it is that if anything, you know, I could be doing something better with my time or... I could, you know, be more productive any other time when I'm not. But other than that, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with drinking the wine, really, because I actually used to drink hard liquor. I used to drink alcohol, like, every single day. uh, Like, vodka, tequila, like, very hard liquor. I used to get so drunk every single day. I used to have to stay very drunk every single day, or if not every day, every other day. And I was cured, like, I was, that was delivered of that. I was delivered of alcohol, was delivered of marijuana. And ever since, I haven't had to, I haven't felt like, felt compelled to. But every now and again, I do feel like Satan is trying to pull me back into that cycle. I don't feel compelled to um, drink alcohol, strong, strong liquor every single day. Um, anymore. I don't feel compelled at all to do that. I really don't. I genuinely feel so delivered by God that I feel like, um, if I even drank heart liquor right now, that wouldn't even, you know, necessarily push me, jump me right back into that cycle. I feel like I could drink, I could have a shot here or a shot there. And I wouldn't start drinking every single day like that again. I'm completely delivered of that. I really am. I know it. I feel it in my heart, in my soul. I don't need it. I don't crave it. It's like I'm a new person compared to that. And I also feel the same way with, I was feeling the same way with cigarettes, but I'm starting to feel pulled back into the cigarettes, which is why I haven't smoked a cigarette since. But, um, and at this point, it's been nine months since I smoked a cigarette, but like almost 10 months, it's been 10 months since I smoked a cigarette, but still, I like, I'm tempted some certain times and I want to turn back when I say, what is the point of trying? What is the point of fighting? It's not working. Like, I'm delivered by God, but I'm still fighting these demons every single day. What is the point of putting in all this work? All this time and all this effort. Excuse me. Just to be, I feel like, subjected to what I'm subject subjected to. But more than that, more than just being subjected to this, just, you know, feeling like, all of this could be for nothing. All of this could be in vain. That's what stresses me out. And I think, you know what, if that's the case, if it's all for if it's all in vain, then I might as well never have stopped smoking cigarettes. I might as well never have gotten delivered from alcohol. I might as well never have stopped smoking weed. I might as well never had, you know, changed my life. But God changed my life. And that's, that don't really have much to do with on my own accord, because if it were on my own accord, I don't think I'll be in a position I'm in now. 
But regardless of anything, you know, in this vision like this, I was being, you know, in this vision, I was being enticed. I was being enticed to settling for a small boutique, a small little wine shop. And I think whatever spirit this is, they're trying to get me to choose anything over my fight for God. If I choose anything outside of, if I if I decide, because ever since, before I got delivered by God, before I found my true purpose and destiny, my true purpose and destiny is a demon hunter. I'm a demon slayer. That's my power. That's what God gave me. You know, that's my spiritual gift. I'm blessed enough to be born that. But if I, like, ever since I've found my true purpose and I've I've actually been, like, he's God has actually been talking to me and, and walking me through this and kind of, like, empowering me ever since then, I haven't been able to actually like I haven't felt that anything else is my purpose before that I had so many different callings I had I was I wanted to be a hairstylist I wanted to be a fashion designer um everything I could have done anything when I was a child I thought I could be an architect and I was a child thought I could be an actor um a dancer a singer a rapper a YouTube personality, a, a social media personality, period. Um, all these different things. Honestly, I was I could see myself being a lawyer or a doctor or a psychologist or like a lot like anything really almost. But like um start my own business but anything but ever since that day where I found my purpose and I found my destiny I've I haven't I haven't like I haven't none of those I know that none does my purpose I don't feel like I felt for that once before once before I was like this is my heart and this is what I want this is what I feel called to do my creativity will thrive in these things. I will be I could excel in anything. But now I do I just don't feel that I don't my heart doesn't feel that way anymore. Like it's like all that has been cleansed out of my heart. All of it. And the only thing I feel is my real purpose, my real destiny is God. It's like I found my real purpose and my real destiny. It's like God gave me a purpose and a destiny. I remember being a kid and God told me to ask him, what is my calling? What is my purpose? What is my destiny? Who will I be? And he showed me, and he showed me this year. He showed me what happened this year. So, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like, you know, this is my purpose. This is my calling. I can't go back. I can't go back. So this spirit is trying to get me to choose 
anything over my real purpose, my real destiny, because this is it. And I got to the point where it's like, I remember when God told me two or three years ago, he said that when you get, when you, when you have reached your real purpose, your real calling in life, when you find it and it's everything that you want and you're capable and you know who you are, you know what you have to do. There comes a time when you have to do, when it takes everything in you, you have to do it. It's going to be the hardest thing. You've ever had to do in your life. But you have to do it. You have to. And it will take everything that you have. Everything. All of it. And you'll find a power that you never knew that you had. And you will have to use it. And if you don't, you will be unhappy. If you don't, then, you know, it will... This is why people end up unhappy. Because I asked God, I said, God, why do why are why are some people so miserable at in the, working in these fields, at these day jobs, in these situations that are not their calling or that is not their that is not, you know, it doesn't make them happy, it doesn't serve them, it doesn't satisfy them, God. Why? When you are when you exist when you are providing and God says he already told me about the people who just don't seek him but this is about the people who do and he said it's and that's when he that's when he explained that to me he said it's because when you get to that point where you find your purpose and your destiny and it requires for you to do everything in you it requires everything in you in order for you to do it, in order for you to accomplish it. You have to do it. And if you don't do it, you will be unhappy. And I said, God, well, if you're putting them in a position, because God's like, yes, I'm putting them in the position, I'm providing. If you're putting them in a position to do what it is that they have to do and they have everything that they need, why won't they do it? Why wouldn't they do it? Why would they just turn around and walk away? Because God said to me, I said, well, how does that happen anyway? He said, they turn around and they walk away instead of doing what they're supposed to do. I said, why would they do that if they have everything that they need? If I were ever in that position and I had everything that I need and I knew my purpose and my calling and it was and it was everything that I never knew that I was or everything that I've always... I don't, what I'm trying to say is that, you know... I have found a new sense of self. Like, I know who I am now. I found who I am. If I'm ever placed in that position, I have everything that I need. I would never walk away. And God said, exactly, that's what I think. That's what I said. And so, um, that's when, um, in a way, he was saying that, like, you know, You will be in this position. But when he said it, he said it so proud. He was so proud of me. God was so proud of me. So proud. Like, I even want to cry right now. Like a proud father. He was so proud of me. He said it in a way. He said, but you will. You'll do it. He said, I don't even want to worry about that. Because in a way, first, okay, so it was a, it was a, a, a small Gap. I won't say gap, but it was like this part in this portion 
when he was like, he sounded really down. And he said, that's why you have to do it. And when he said that, I I said to myself, I thought we was talking about other people. And that's why I said it like that. Because when he said you have to do it, he said it to me. And I said, no, God, I would do it. I would never do that. And he said, he paused for a second. But then he was like, I know. I know you'll do it. And he sounded so proud of me. He really did. He really did sound so proud where it was like, I know you'll do it. I know you will. And it was just, I guess the thing I got hung up on is what I felt in between that. That pause. And it was like, for me, I didn't even know what my destiny or purpose really was all the way. But I knew that it sounded like God was saying to me that I was going to somehow or some way shy away from it. it. But not really, but like, you know, maybe it was going to be some type of hiccup in a situation or some type of um, understanding that I would need to be brought to. Because one thing that I realized that God does Everything that he tells me, everything that he says, every moment, even when it doesn't make sense, one day it will. Everything. So when he does that, he knows that I know that by now. Because he's been doing that my whole life and I've gotten to the point, even though it took me a while, I'm not going to lie. It took me a while. But I've gotten to the point that when he does that, I'm like, okay. So I know to keep this in the bank for later. Because one day... Exactly this reaction, this conversation, everything that you're saying is going to match up perfectly. It's all going to make sense. It's all it's going to tie something together one day, something that, you know, you know, is going to happen. And so I've placed things in a bank like that and I've been waiting. I have so much stuff in the bank like that from God. I really do. But it's scary the different stuff I have in a bank like that. Because when I think about stuff in a bank like that that's actually starting to come into fruition, I'm like, whoa. Like, I have a full life then. Because I have so much stuff in a bank like that. And God even talked to me. That's something in the bank. He talked to me about people with full lives. He said some people, they have the most full, wonderful lives. And they still go to heaven. He said, so you want to stay here and you want to live your life. Trust me. And I said, this is one of the times like, God, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like, God, I know you're right. And I know you always tell the truth, but I'm so sure regardless of what life I would have here, I would love to be in heaven way more. Even now, what I don't care if I have a full life or not. I don't care what I do here on earth. I just want to be with you guys want to be in heaven. And. God is like, trust me, you're going to want to live your life. And I just could not see it. I still, I believe him. I I know it's true, but I still don't feel that way. I still feel like, but it's, I'm still so young though, but so many times, not even trying to be ungrateful because I'm so grateful for everything that God gives me. I know that, you know, things, a lot of people aren't even blessed to have the things that I have, but it's just, I don't know, like, when you spend your whole life 
talking to God. And I'm going to say my whole life. So many different times I was not as close as I should have been. But when you have so many experiences with God and you know what heaven is like. And you know that heaven exists and you know that heaven is such a better place. And that you and then you, you know, and experiencing and knowing what heaven is like, you have to stay here. You have to wake up here. Every single day in your life, you're waking up thinking, dang, why couldn't I have woke up in heaven? I want to be in heaven. I want to go to heaven. I'm still here. And that's like, I know it sounds ungrateful. But it's not about being ungrateful. It's about establishing your treasure in eternity. That's what it's about. This this life here is so short. And I don't, I mean, I, don't, I guess I'm ungrateful in, in saying that, you know, I don't really care for it to be even longer than it already has been. Even though it's short. But that's not necessarily true because, like I said, I believe God. I believe Father when he says, you want to stay here. Some people have such full lives. And I know he was talking about me because he said my life is going to be super full. And he also said that some people have everything. And some people wonder to, some people look at people's lives and they say, wow, how can their life be so perfect? And I remember when he said that, I was thinking like, yeah, you know, I know exactly what you mean. I, I I be wondering, like, I've never seen it myself, but I be wondering, like, you know, you know, I can't say I've never seen it myself because I've seen examples of it, but, like, I don't ever know thoughts really like how it is. I'm not, I don't know what it's like. Like, I just know what I see, and a lot of things, they look like something that they're not. Like, for example, like, um, the royal family, like, that looks like a dream life. They live in a castle. They're called kings and queens. You know, they got so much money. They they live in horses. They got maids. You know, they got everybody bowing to them. And, like, you know, all this other stuff. When they go out, it's so elegant. They, they ride in carriages, horse-drawn carriages, etc. And it's like, I would think that that is, like, the perfect life. But it's not. Like, it's not ever what it looks like. So... I can't ever say I've ever really seen that or experienced it, but God is like, but I remember God saying that to me. And I remember I said to God, God, you know what? How do you decide who gets that? How do you decide who you give that to? And God is like, he didn't really answer me specifically to that. He did, but I don't really, I can't really call it. All I know is that he said that, um, you know, some people, They have such perfect lives. And I was like, yeah, it's so beautiful. And the way I said it, I did. I was not jealous. I was not envious at all. I was so happy for them. I was just so happy that something like that can even exist in this world. All I want to know is that good exists. All I want to know is that happiness exists somewhere. Peace exists somewhere. I don't have to actually have it. As long as somebody has it. Like the worst thing is if nobody ever had it. That's the worst thing. Like I don't, I don't. Sometimes I don't understand people, people's um. Just understanding where they feel like if I can't have it, I want nobody to have it. But what if nobody really had it? 
What if there was no happiness in the world? What if it was all sadness, all misery, all bitterness? There would be no hope. Do you really want that? Is that really what you want? Or are you blinded by your envy and your jealousy? It's not worth it. Because all I all I can see to myself is like, yeah, I might be hurt. Yeah, I might think to myself, you know, sometimes I even think to myself, that's not fair that you get that and I don't. Like, sometimes I do get upset like that and I think, why why do they get it and I don't get it? How come, what what made them deserve, deserve that, but I deserve this? You know, so many different times I've actually even done that. But still, when it comes down to it, I'm just happy it exists. I, I don't want, you know, because I've never experienced it, nobody's ever experienced it. I don't want because I'm not able to have such a perfect, beautiful life for nobody to have such a perfect, beautiful life. Because otherwise, how would I ever even know that exists? How would I ever know that that's possible? Something to look forward to. And even if I never have it, I can at least see someone else having it. I can see someone else experiencing it. And that right there is just hope. It's just hope. So I don't understand when people don't even want that in the world. Because what if we did live in a world where nobody had hope? Nobody had happiness. Everybody was miserable. Everybody was bitter. Everybody was jealous. And it was just all evil. There was no good. Like, nobody wants to live in that world. But, um... I get so sidetracked, but anyways, God told me that, you know, some people's lives are so perfect and some people look at their lives and they say, wow, how can their life be so perfect? And I say, yeah, I say, yeah, they probably thinking God must really love them. And God is like, exactly like, yeah, not exactly, but like, yeah. Like agreeing with me and looking back on that moment at the time I didn't even see it that he was looking at me you can feel God looking at you you can feel how he's looking at you but like in that moment I didn't understand that he was looking at me in a way where he's like you don't even see like you can't you don't even see it you don't even get what I'm trying to tell you you don't get what I'm trying to say and I think that you know he didn't want me to get it yet it wasn't meant for me to get it yet but now looking back on that moment, I realized that he was really saying, like, it's going to be you. You're going to have that life. You're going to have that perfect life that people look at and say, wow, how can you be so blessed? It's amazing how blessed some people are. It's amazing how perfect some people's lives are. And it really be that. You know, because you establish it in God and only God can make something happen so perfectly like that. And that's something so beautiful. But, um, you know, it's never without hard work. And I, I cannot lie. Around that time, and even still a little bit now, I can't lie. I'm not all the way out of this mindset. I felt like, you know, people with perfect lives like that don't have to work hard. They don't have to work hard. They don't have to suffer. That's called, That's how it's perfect. It's perfect because they don't even have to lift a finger and they still get all of this perfectly done, perfectly for them. And everything just works out and nothing, you know, is ever in their way. But if it is, they have the perfect attitude. But 
for me, I can only see just only good. Kind of like, I don't know, dancing through daisy fields and never falling or tripping over anything. But it's like, in reality, like, I never could see myself as having a perfect life like that because I didn't come from it. I felt like if you was ever going to have a real perfect life, it would be perfect from start to finish. But I guess it can be perfect from start to finish if you change your perspective. Because Jesus is perfect, but by no means was his life perfect. Or was it? You have to change your perspective. You have to have a certain kind of perspective because I think that Jesus' life was perfect. I really do. You know, despite the, what happened to him being crucified on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, even though he was innocent and sinless and perfect, that's still perfect because it shows his perfect love. It shows his unconditional perfect love and his strength and overcoming persecution and adversities, it shows everything perfectly. It shows it shows a perfect positive attitude. It shows a perfect trust. It shows a perfect faith. It shows a perfect execution. It shows, you know, a perfect outcome. Like he said it was going to happen and it happened. It shows everything perfectly. It really does. But you have to see it like that. If you ever saw adversities, persecution, or different things not going away that, you know, not being, you know, having to deal with, you know, things that are not so easy or having to deal with hard things or having to deal with bad attitudes, bad situations. If you ever saw that as, you know, being not perfect or getting in the way of being perfect, then... I guess you can't see that as perfect. And if that were the case, that means maybe you don't see God as perfect. Maybe you can't see God as perfect. God's perfect is probably not our definition of perfect. We see perfect as never having, I mean, obviously it's never making a mistake, but never having, ever having, ever had to do with anything bad. That's what we see perfect as. We see perfect as all good, all the time but it is all good it's just the way you perceive it because even though it's bad that he got crucified it's bad that he was flogged it's bad that he was lied on it's bad that he was hung from a cross it's bad that nails were you know um he was nailed to the cross through his hands and his feet and hung you know it's all that is bad but it's also good all of it is also good. So if you change your perspective, all of it was perfect. Even the people who didn't believe in him, even the people who doubted him, even the people who mocked him, even the people who persecuted him, even all of those different things, all those different bad people, even Judas, even the Romans, even Caesar, even um, Pilate, even all of them. You know, even the Pharisees and the scribes, even all of them, even though they were so-called bad, it was still good. 
it was all perfect. It really was. And you just have to change your perspective. I can't say I'm all the way there yet because, like, look at the pain he felt. Look at everything he had to deal with, the persecution, um, being hung from a cross, and the, the, the just the agonizing and the agony and the suffering he had to go through. How could you ever see it as perfect? But it was. Because somebody's perspective would probably be perfect would be for him not to have to have gone through all that. Perfect would be for everybody to have accepted him as our Lord and Savior and crowned him king without him having to be hung from a cross because of it. Perfect would have been him not having to die in that manner for the forgiveness of our sins. Perfect would have been everybody deciding that we're going to change for Jesus, the Messiah, because he's here. And that not having to happen. I remember as a child, God spoke to me about that being what he had hoped for. He had hoped that Jesus didn't have to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. But he knew that he would. So yes, he did send him to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. But the reason why he sent him is because he still had hope that somehow, some way, we could change just like the reason he still left Adam and Eve in the same garden with the tree of good and evil with the with the tree of forbidden fruit because even though he knows that you know they can take this fruit they can eat this fruit and they you know he knows what will happen I'm not gonna say he knows that they would but he knows what will happen he still hopes. He still hopes that they won't. He still hopes that they'll listen. He still hopes that they'll trust him. And then with the Israelites, when he when he freed them from Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and he made the covenant with them to be their God and to keep them and them to and we or us, we to be his chosen people. You know, he hoped that we would keep our promise. He hoped that we wouldn't worship false gods. He hoped that we would keep the Ten Commandments and that we would rule. He hoped that we would be the holy nation he had built us up to be and that we would rule over all other nations. He had hoped that. But he knew what would happen. He knew that we wouldn't. That's why he told Moses. And Moses said, listen, even though... I know that as soon as I die, you're going to go right back to disobeying God, worshiping false gods, and not keeping the commandments. What you need to know is that you need to try, that you need to do this, you need to do that. He tried to tell them to, you know, do what's right. But he also said that even though you won't, I know that you won't, one day, God is going to send a Messiah who's going to make up and atone for all of your sins. And we're all going to be okay. And the Israelites, even though they say, yeah, of course we are. Of course we're going to keep your covenant, keep your promises. I mean, keep our promise to God. Of course we're going to keep trying. We're going to, you know, we're going to do what we're supposed to do. As soon as Moses died, he did exactly what he said he was, said they was going to do. They disobeyed God. They turned their backs on God. They worship false gods. And guess what? Exactly what he said was going to happen, happened. Because God told him this, a Messiah was sent to atone for all of our sins. 
And all of that is perfect. Yes, it really is. Because God said, like he told Job. Because even though Job never was disloyal to God, he was always loyal, he was always faithful. He did everything God asked him to do. And he was his most loyal, most faithful servant. He was such a good man. He had never done anything wrong to deserve anything bad happening to him. God told him when he came to explain to him, when Job demanded an answer, Job demanded him explain himself. And when God explained himself to Job, he said to him, listen, and I don't remember the name of this creature, but it's the creature that looks like a rhinoceros, though. Um, but God said, what is it? The Baham, 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 something, I forget the name of it, but, um, all I know is that God told him about this creature and this creature was good this creature was beautiful and he didn't want to say the word ugly but necessary this creature was both this creature was the good and the bad and that's what life is and that's what perfection is perfection is good and bad it's good and bad perfectly that's what god is God made good and he made bad. He's still all good, but he's still, I don't want to say he's bad. He does the bad perfectly. He distributes bad perfectly. Because perfection is everything done right. It's not just one, of, it's not just good. And some people will see perfection as just bad. You know, like I say, everybody has a different perception or perspective. But per- perfection is good and bad. So I saw perfection my whole life as only good things, all good things. It's not perfect because, I, you know, I've been through bad things in my life. It'll never be perfect because I've suffered. It'll never be perfect because... You know, I know what bad feels like. I know what it's like to go through bad things. And I've experienced bad. So it can never be perfect going forward. How could it ever end up perfect? You know, for it to be perfect, it would have had to always been perfect. I guess I could somehow say to myself, it's perfect from this moment on. But I can never say it's perfect. So when God told me, about somebody with a perfect life, I saw it as a perfect life from start to finish, never having to have experienced any bad ever. And that's not perfection. That's simply not perfection. Maybe that's somebody's definition of perfection. Maybe that's some definition of perfect somewhere, but that's definitely not God's definition of perfect. And your life can be perfect, even if it doesn't start off that way. So that being said, I also want to mention that Jesus started off perfect from start to finish. He was perfect. That doesn't, you know, I mean, that's perfect, of course. But, you know, some people would say that, 
even though Jesus started off from start to finish perfect, that doesn't mean his life was. Because me, I say, yes, it was. His per- his life was perfect from start to finish. I say that, yes, it is. It was, no matter what it is, happened. Everything that had to do with it, all of it was perfect, yes. Even his crucifixion, even being betrayed by Judas, even, you know, Peter denying him, you know, re- being resurrected three days later, all of it, perfect. Yes, I see it like that. I do. Even him being denied and betrayed by the very people he was sent to save. I see it all as perfect. But someone else may say he was perfect. His life wasn't. His life was not perfect, though. Because, But I would ask that person, what would be your definition of a perfect life then? Because what it could have happened in Jesus' life that could have, you know, been a, that could have been a perfect, or the perfect, what would have made it perfect to you? Because to me, before I was brought to this understanding, I would say that in order for Jesus' life to have been perfect, he would have had to have been accepted. And never doubted and not crucified, but glorified, believed. And he wouldn't have had to die to atone for our sins because we would have decided to change right then. We would have decided to turn around, give it all up, give it back like worship him and give up on evil and believe that he is the messiah and that his god his father is god and uh, you know instead of being envious and jealous and doubtful and instead of feeling judged and condemned because of all the different things he pointed out about us that we were supposed to change actually changing Listening to him, taking heed, changing, even though it felt so hard to turn back from all of our sin and was so comfortable living in the manner we were living and we had gotten so used to it, just changing, deciding as a community that that's what we wanted to do because the scripture said that he would be and now he is. And I believe it. And he's performing miracles and signs that has never been performed before. I believe him. He's Everything that he says, it makes the most sense. He brings a different light and a different understanding to these scriptures that we haven't had since, you know, they've existed. Because he is the word. I believe him. Changing. You know, and I'm saying that as an imperfect person, I'm saying that as somebody who sins, who makes mistakes, who a lot of times I battle with whether I'm going to do what's right, but I want to. And how can I judge those people? You know, I don't think that if I were ever back in, if that were my time, that I would ever have been one of the people who 
condemned Jesus or crucified him, I don't think that I would have. I genuinely believe that I would have been on the side of supporting him as Christ's Messiah. I would have believed. You know, I don't know. How can I know? But Jesus pretty much showed me I would have. I would have believed. I mean, I do. So I wouldn't have been on that side, but who am I to judge them? They made a mistake, but, you know, I can't say that because you know, that would be me doubting God. But they made a mistake, but that mean, that would, me judging their mistake would say that I never made one myself. So Jesus saw that, and even though they made the worst mistake, like Judas, he said it would be have better for him to have never been born. Now, even though he made that mistake, Jesus, Jesus still loved him. Jesus still died for the forgiveness of his sins, too. And the forgiveness of all of our sins, too. So, that's perfect. Now, even though God had this talk with me, and he hoped that, he hoped that, you know, Jesus would had been accepted and you know, we would have changed, that we would have listened to him and everything that he taught and decided to love each other instead of hating each other and to do away with sin in secret, in private, and in public and change forever. And then him not having to die on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins, because guess what? We change. Now imagine Jesus praying to, to, the, to our father and saying, guess what, father? Even though I know you see this, they've changed. And imagine our father saying back, you don't have to be crucified. You don't have to die because they've changed. They've received you well. That's possible. I don't care what nobody say. Jesus always tells me, I will never take it back. It makes it's it's exactly what had to happen. It's what had to happen. But God wouldn't put that on my heart, that that's what he hoped for. He had hoped that he didn't have to sacrifice his son. Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. But does that mean that he had to? Could we have changed? We can't take back the past. It's what it is. And I'm grateful. I'm so happy that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Absolutely. But what if we had decided to change right then? What if he didn't have to? But then, you can, like I said, that's a whole chain effect. That's a rabbit hole. What if Adam and Eve didn't bite the apple? What if the Israelites kept their promise? It's a whole bunch of what ifs. But like I said, you know, God gave us, gave us the option of free will and we choose. But so many different times we believe that it couldn't have been different. Because it happened in this manner, because it happened like that, that's why it had to. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Jesus' story. It's the greatest story ever told. It's the greatest story ever told. I love him. I don't ever want to take that back. I don't ever, I won't say I ever want to take that back, but I would never want it to have gone differently. I mean, well, yes, I. that's what I'm saying. It could have been different. 